Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of, of uh, the 12th Step Podcast. Thrilled to have you here. I'm Mike. This is Daniel. And we are going to continue our conversation with Chad and Amber, who uh, Chad, of course, has been with us in the SAA program for about a year as we're working on his recovery. And if you listened to the last episode, you got a chance to listen, you got a chance to be introduced to Chad and to his wife, Amber. So and some of the great listener questions we've gotten have come from Chad as well. Yeah, so it's been fantastic. <laughs> so it's, we need to get him on the show just because he's got all the questions, right? Yes. So, <laughs> I want to jump right back into this uh, discussion that we were having uh, um, I want to I want to understand how you both came to terms with the fact that you were an addict and what that's done to your marriage. How's that affected you personally? How's that affected you being the spouse of an addict? Talk to us a little bit about what that's been like. Me first. Sure. I will say first and foremost that it's been much easier for me to come to terms than for Amber. I think uh, for me it was an answer to all of the uh, questions, all, all of the things that I couldn't figure out. Yeah. Okay. You know? All of a sudden. It made sense to me. And this great burden was gone. <clears throat> this great burden was gone. Sure, yeah, yeah. It was a big weight off my shoulders to be able to say, okay, I do have a problem. Okay, yeah, I can't I can't fix it by myself. And then to walk into a room full of uh, other addicts and hear their stories and be like, wow, this my makes tribe. even more sense now. Yeah. 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 And I'm in a tribe. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's a good way to put that. And to feel like I'm in a place where I can relate with other people, um, maybe for the first time in my life, you know, where I can relate with other people in an authentic way and not feel like I have to hide a single thing. Right. Yeah. A little spooky walking in there your first time, I know. But uh, first time walking in, I was very arrogant and thought to myself, <laughs> I clearly don't belong in this room. <laughs> There's some really sick people in this room. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. And I think you and I have joked about this before, right, but right. I mean, I, it probably couldn't have been more than my second or third visit. I'm hearing people share, you know, their story or share how their week has gone or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I could really help that guy. <laughs> just, but, uh, you know, recovery is a humbling experience. Yeah. And um, once you really commit to it and and you start to try to apply some of the principles in your life, you start to appreciate the wisdom that other people have found. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. in, There's a reason why those 12 steps have lasted 100 years. Uh, yeah. And they really have been sort of the crux of treatment in a variety of different addictions. And uh, there's yeah. something to that. And and the fact that these two people were able to get together and have their very first meeting of just the two of them, and it's grown from there to be a worldwide organization and, yeah. and help completely around the world for yeah. not only alcoholism, but but uh, narcotics and food addictions and as well as sexual addictions. And so gambling it's really, and, and gambling. Everything out there. It really Definitely. is something yeah. else. So I will say on the flip side of that, and I'm, I'm just saying this because I'm hoping that it's relatable for other people and that they take something from it. Other addicts who are in recovery sure. that, that may listen to the podcast. Um, one of the truly challenging things about being somebody who's newly into you know, their recovery is trying to sort out the distorted beliefs mm-hmm. and thoughts about how life is supposed to operate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how other people are supposed to respond to you right? and all of those things from reality. And I think 
whether I, I definitely didn't admit it at the time and, and, and probably didn't even, I mean, definitely didn't acknowledge it, you know, didn't realize right. that it was a thing, but I had some expectations. I, I'm doing something right for the first time. Yeah. I should, mm-hmm. I deserve some credit here. Yeah. You know, Amber, <laughs> I deserve some credit. Why, why aren't yeah. I getting a pat on the back? <laughs> yeah, I'm an addict. Look at me. Look you at know, me. Yeah. Oh, look at me, Lisa. I went the whole. Oh, oh, I went a whole month without hiring a prostitute. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> I deserve some. I deserve some credit there. Yeah. This process isn't <laughs> yeah. transactional. Exactly. Yeah. I did something good. I should get something else. <laughs> right. It's so narcissistic. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's so it's, messed up. It's amazing. Yeah. To go through that yeah. and to just gradually admit all of your character flaws. Right. And uh, as you admit those, to not. <laughs> And if you do, you don't rest on those laurels of having admitted them, and you're 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 sincere about your recovery, continuing to press forward and realizing that uh, your character flaws are a mile deep. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. they really go to your core, and it's it's tough to have to admit that yeah. to yourself. But then when you admit it to other people, it becomes a lot easier to embrace and to accept. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because you're being. You're really being yourself, and, and you're reaching out to other people for help and connection. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't yeah. don't want to underestimate the power of a sponsor through all of that, because there's no doubt about it. It's a sponsor that helps you walk through that arrogance, and it's a sponsor that helps you pick yourself back up when, in the moments of humility. Yeah. And so that's a. I remember my experiences with a sponsor during all of that, like mm-hmm. kind of like you. I could help these people. I know exactly what I'm doing here. Now I'm one being helped, and wow, you know, I'm so thrilled to have a sponsor through both of those. So yeah, yeah. it's a big, big deal. I couldn't agree more, and I couldn't endorse more heavily getting a sponsor if you're an addict. Right, yeah. right. If, you're, if you're an addict in recovery and you don't have a sponsor, you're probably not really making the progress right. that you could make because yeah, you just don't right. have somebody to talk you through those tough moments. That's right. And honestly, to call you out on... Your bullshit. Your bullshit. That's right. Yeah. I hesitated there to say the word, but you you threw it out there. Yeah. So for me, you know, uh, you know, I've lived my life with like this head full of faulty code. Mm -hmm. You know, I equate it to a computer program. Yeah. Just been faulty code. I've been running off that. And every time I hit these certain points, it just dumps me to this area where I'm just in horror, you know, and yeah, I I act out. I'm doing all these Mm -hmm. things. You know, a sponsor is like that QA person that's reviewing the code and like, oh, there's a problem there. Oh, we right. got to change that. Nope, there's another problem there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Intellectually, I, I've understood as I've gone through my group therapy concepts like thinking errors and yeah. you know, things like that. But it, in real life, in my practical day-to-day moments, you know, as an addict, you think of yourself as being very special and unique. Right. And right. they're not truly thinking errors. It's just the way you think and uh-huh. it's the way you... No, we're all just so terminally unique. You're so incredibly unique. You're just like everybody else. It's amazing how unique you are. And it takes recovery and it takes working with a sponsor to realize that that's just not true. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's jump to Amber for just a second. I'm curious to hear her perspective on how it was that she came to terms with the fact that she'd been (coughs) married to an addict. What was that like for you? Well... Uh, I think I am still coming to terms with it some days. Sure. Um, I think that's fair. I think you that's know, really fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's it's interesting being on this side of things and hearing you talk. And it wasn't that much different for me when you came out as an addict. Um, I didn't totally understand. I think, you know, if anybody listened to the first one I had described, we weren't having sex. So how could you be a sex addict? That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And uh really realizing what sex addiction was made me realize yeah how did i not know you were a sex addict years ago um but it was an answer i finally had a reason why you were doing these things and it wasn't 
it wasn't because of me. And, you know, frequently being the spouse of an addict, we blame ourselves or we want to to put that self-blame on us of it had to be me. Maybe I wasn't a good enough wife. Maybe I wasn't a good enough mother. Maybe I didn't, you know, please you well enough. I don't know. Like we will come up with anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the truth. There's, it's so much deeper than that. And it, it's not me. And now my shift gets to be, how do I support you in realizing what you don't realize? Mm. And, um, you know, this is kind of that plug that I wanted to put in as far as wives going through treatment. I, for a long time thought, you know, I have good days and I have bad days and I'm fine. Sure. sure. No, (laughs) no, you need help. And, if you don't get that help, there are going to be days where you don't have the tools that you get through therapy. And it, you know, I remember sitting in my first wives group going, this is not for me. I didn't get anything from this. Sure. My second, my third, into my fourth, it probably was my fifth wives group where I came home and went, the stories are different. The emotions are the same. I can connect with these people in a way that I could not connect with anybody my wife's group you're talking about your group yes therapy. My, yeah. my group therapy mm-hmm. um my individual therapy was great you know i was able to bring more personalized selfish time to the table but in wives group it was hey i've been there i've i've done that and this is what i did and this is how it helped me and maybe you can try this or you know vice versa hey somebody else bringing something to the table that i went you know i never saw it that way i never would have realized that had i not given it a shot and I'm thankful because I remember coming home the first couple of times we went to the wives group and going, no, I don't, I don't think this is going to help me, Chad. I don't think this is it for me. I think, I think I'm beyond help or, you know, maybe I'm just in a different circumstance. And it really took me, I mean, this is why Nusa tells you, you know, give it four or five times before you decide. Yeah. I know why that's the case. And yeah. every wives group, give it four or five times before you decide. Yeah. But I'm so thankful for the tools that I've learned in that group and it's really helped me in moments and not even not even just the tools but I mean I just text I text these wives all the time sure. you know and they text me and it's been a it's a community that I did not have before yeah. of support and you know I can have a bad day and go guys I'm having a bad day somebody pick me up help help me and they will and I'm just so fortunate. I, I could not say enough good things about these women that I went through this group with. And, you know, I, I hope in the future I get the opportunity to help more wives go through this and make, make sense of the senseless. It's been a wonderful opportunity. It's great to hear um, a couple of things that I picked up on. Uh, first and foremost is, is that uh, somehow, some way you were able to internalize the idea that this was not your problem. This was not your fault. This was not you. This was not a representation of you or some some limitation that you brought to the table. That that's why that's why Chad acted in this particular way. And I, I'm um, uh, even in my own experience, uh, uh, I, I think Lisa has gone through years of of trauma and abuse, thinking that it was her all the way along. That and then only to find out that you know that I'm an addict and I'm dealing with these particular issues only compounded the problem to some extent to say, hey, look, 
you know, uh, that, that, that sort of that constant feeling that, oh, now he's an addict and, and I'm finding that out and that must mean that I'm deficient in some way. And so to be able to internalize the idea that, guess what, I'm not. And uh, we do pretty well most of the time. And what I am finding in recovery is, is that we go long per- longer periods of time. So we've been at this for about four years. And so, you know, early on it was every day, maybe every week or something like that. Now it may be every month or every, you know, every couple of months. But but, but at least we go through those moments where we're saying, look, I've, I've got this. I, I'm not, it's not me. Because, uh, you know, I hope every spouse out there realizes that, 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 that this addiction is not their problem. I will say this, and I think it's, I think you hit on it as well. You developed a crazy to develop, to, to understand and to live with his crazy. Yeah. Oh, yes. And that crazy needs to be unwound through some therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anybody who thinks that, no, this is just your problem. Yeah. This is just your problem is missing the boat because yeah. there's no doubt about it that the spouse has developed a, a and after long mm-hmm. exposure to that kind of crazy, uh, in my case, it's, you know, we're talking 32, 33 years, something like that. That's a long time to be exo- exposed to crazy. Yeah. And so it takes some time to unwind that crazy. And, to, and, and, and there's no way you can do it without a therapist. So, well, so there's a counterbalance, you know. Sure. As we're weighing here, you, you know, the spouse has to counterbalance right. that. Yeah. I, this is an embarrassing thing for me to say. And I, I don't know if this is the experience that you've had as well with Lisa, but... And initially, when I first started in, you know, in, in my therapy, and I started to, in my in my recovery, and I first started to understand things, and and the scales started to fall from my eyes, so to speak. Uh, I honed in very much. I noticed very much Amber's crazy. I I really noticed it. Sure. Who is this sure. embarrassing for? It, me, for me, it's oh. embarrassing for okay. me. Okay, I was yeah. just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> because he created it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's embarrassing is that I still hadn't acknowledged at that point that I had created it. Yes. And yeah. we're hearing this in group therapy. I'm hearing it in my individual therapy, but there's a part in the back of my head that 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 distorted addict, you know, view of the world and how things are happening that was still being a victim and mm-hmm. was still saying to myself, I am doing the right thing right now. Why aren't things getting better? And why isn't she recognizing yeah. me? Right. Why is she still attacking me? Why is she so angry? And it took me some time to come around and to realize the amount of trauma that I had inflicted on her with my acting out. What's really hard about this conversation is that um, all the gaslighting that we do and all the resentment building that we do to continue to keep our addiction alive and to continue to have reasons to act out because that's how we cope with the trauma that we're experiencing as addicts in our life, right? Mm -hmm. All of that is not something that I think most of us deliberately do. I thinking think to ourselves, I think it's on an, this is a malicious thing that level. I'm doing to yeah. my wife, that I'm doing to other people in my mm-hmm. life who trust mm-hmm. me and that love me. You know, it's it's something that we have just learned how to do to be able to function mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. rather than establishing genuine connection and being open and being real with them. In other words, we came about this very <clears throat> honestly. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Did. And I have to say, it's been incredible, absolutely incredible, to observe Amber go through the process that she's gone through in her individual and group therapy and get to a point where she understands for herself that um, all the anger and everything that she is experiencing and all the confusion is uh, has roots in her own trauma, you know, right. from this experience right. and from others, you know, sure. and, and, to, sure. and to begin to try to heal on her own so that then we can come together 
eventually as a couple and mm-hmm. begin couple therapy, you know, marriage, actual marriage counseling right. and mm-hmm. start to work on our actual relationship instead of just our, our individual yeah. broken pieces. That makes sense. And I think we're both really excited about that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, just to add to that, like nothing shuts me down faster in an argument than when you say, you know, I never looked at it that way. And you might be right. And I need to Nothing shuts that. you down in a good way. In a good way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a good way. You know, like we would have these arguments and for so many years I was like, you need to see this and you don't. Mm-hmm. And once you started therapy and you had your sponsor, there were so many times when I would be just, oh, I'd just be so mad. And I was going to bring something up and I'm like. Stupid sponsor. No, no, no. It was not your sponsor. But you would Who talk. Who is that deadbeat? <laughs> you know, you would you would come to me and you're like, you know, I think I need to talk to, to, to my sponsor, to Mike, about this or whatever, you know. And. Um, Dear would, listener, Mike is my sponsor. You, well, you would come back to me and you'd go, you know, I had this conversation and I see it differently and uh-huh. you might be right. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I don't know what to do with that All now. All the wind in your sails is one way. Yes. Now yeah. I can't be angry because you're acknowledging it and yeah. we can have a conversation about this. And there was so much power in you being vulnerable in mm-hmm. our relationship to admit that you might be wrong and it allowed me to be vulnerable to go mm, i might have had a glass or two more of wine than i should have <laughs> and i might be wrong <laughs> and maybe we need to reevaluate this yeah. and yeah. there's a lot of power in that and I, I i don't know that that has helped so much with our journey as a couple and to get us through our individual stuff mm-hmm to be looking at couples therapy in the future. Yeah, I came across this idea in my reading. I do a lot of study on my own of, you know, essay materials and and related stuff. And I came across this idea within um, the treatment uh, world of dialectic, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT. Um, And it's called radical acceptance. And I just just love those words together, right? You know, just on their own, you can, you can, figure out what that means. Right, right. And when you put those together with the, the notion in, in the world of addiction recovery of um, provisional beliefs and accepting mm-hmm. prov- provisional beliefs, that's, that was a kind of a, a turnkey moment for me because I'd been resisting this idea of accepting provisional beliefs and having other people tell me right. how things were supposed to go. Right, I yeah. spent my entire life building up these walls, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and building up these intellectualizations these justifications for everything that i was doing and even in recovery is as i was admitting you know my addiction i was still pushing back against this idea of other people telling me i was going to figure it out on my own and then i was going to do it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but the moment i accepted you know i i i, I used that idea of radical acceptance <laughs> to allow provisional beliefs to replace all these ideas that I had in my own head yeah. about how things were supposed to go. Um, things began to take a dramatic turn in my recovery and in my life and in our relationship and in us working together. That's awesome. And allowed me to say things like, you know, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Instead of, I've got this all figured out already. I mean, it kind of goes back to that saying, you know, letting go with both hands. Because yeah. right? when you mm-hmm. let go of those walls, the defenses, mm-hmm. things started falling into place, it sounds like. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up those uh, those provisional beliefs. We've got two episodes out with uh, with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shane, actually, who's uh, who 
gives us some heavy, heavy insight on on those provisional beliefs. And so those are some great episodes to listen to. Listen to. Um, I want to move ahead to sort of the next idea of maybe both of you take just a second and share what recovery has been like for you. What has it been like? Um, so you've, you've kind of headed down this path now. You uh, you here you are. Um, sounds like you've been you know you've made some progress. You've been at this for about a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, started with NUSA. Started with our SAA group. Things like that. And and uh, what's it what's it been like? Are we? Am I going to go first? I just rambled for like fifteen yeah. minutes. Fair, too. fair. I rambled a little too, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so as far as what it's been like for recovery, good and bad. I have gotten hung up on the idea of letting go of my love story. You know, you mm-hmm. never, you never fall in, in love with somebody and expect this, you know, this addiction and this, this story. And I think there's a part of me that is like, but that should have been it. I gave everything. I should have this love story. But unless we've got, you know, a DeLorean that's a time machine and we can go back and fix any of this, there's an acceptance that has to Mm -hmm. happen. And that's a hard thing. That is a very hard thing. Um, As far as recovery goes, you know, I'm for the first time, I think I'm looking at this thinking, you know, I'm stronger than I gave myself credit for. And I know I can do this. And thankfully, even though this is our reality, um, I could not have asked for a better partner to go through this with in that Chad has been very accepting and very willing to admit fault in, in, our, in our journey together and recognize you know the damage that's been done because of his actions or his acting out. And I'm... I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for my wife's group and I'm thankful for my counselors and, you know, finally getting here and being able to look at, at it all as a whole and realize, you know, it, it's going to be okay. This is going to be okay. Um, one way or the other, whether it's staying together, which I'm hopeful that that's our future, Mm -hmm. um, or not either way, we're going to be okay because of the tools that we've learned Um, and we've, I mean, we've got these two beautiful miracle babies that we have to be okay for. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, our journey is really provide us with what we need to be those parents to those two and to be a a happy family if, if we choose to be that. So been interesting. Some great thoughts. Thank you for sharing that. I'm not sure if I'm proud or ever for saying all of that or for the Back to the Future reference. <laughs> I was thinking the same Either thing. Either way, I'm wow. so, so in love right now. <laughs> she snuck a DeLorean in there. <laughs> I do know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, best and worst experiences of the journey so far. Uh, it, it's definitely been a mixed bag. I mean, I think... I don't think I've heard a single addict tell me I acknowledged my addiction. I started recovery and I haven't ever made a mistake uh, to this day. Sure. If they're saying that they're pretty much lying. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 maybe there's one out there. I don't know. That's definitely not me. I, it's been messy. Um, uh, we've described the emotional mess that we've been through and how we've really had to try to 
sort that out and we're still working on sorting it out some days are harder than others Mm -hmm. Um, on the whole we're starting to see kind of a flatter trend line (laughs) in our life where things are a little bit more predictable and that's nice um but I've had my moments where I've gotten caught up a little bit in the arrogance of believing that I've done the right things and I'm, I'm on the right path and gotten a little bit loose, you know, with my, my daily rituals and things and found myself in some middle circle, circle living, as we talk about. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, in the addiction world and slipped up. Um, our therapist hates that term, but I'm going to call it slipping up. That's <laughs> what's happened. I've found myself acting out and gotten caught acting out even. Um, which is humiliating and, uh, especially when you're in your recovery, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that your recovery is over. And, um, my sponsors helped me with that. Other addicts in recovery have helped me understand that. And then Amber's renewed support, uh, after she's gotten past the anger and the shock and the frustration of, of finding me doing something that I shouldn't, you know, and at this point I find myself with several months of clean time and, mm-hmm. Um, it becomes less a, a feather in my cap now and more just something that I want to continue to build on and something that I mm-hmm. look to as a source of strength. Um, There's a real I, piece and, and in that. There's there is. Yeah. You know what? That's it. It's less a feather in my cap and it's more a source of peace. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's interesting how it goes from a transition of, oh, look, I've got X number of days. Look at me. <clears throat> to... All right. Well, we got 300 days. Who cares? Uh, yes. Tomorrow's another day. Well, I mean, you know, I, I I do know that sometimes, just as I've I've gotten to know people in the recovery world, sometimes as addicts we really are trying to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. We look at recovery yeah. as an achievement, as though it's something that we do, and then we move to the next phase, whatever that is. We move into the next part of our life, and I've really truly completely accepted the idea that recovery is um a fact of life for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's who i am i'm a recovering addict for the rest of my life right that's a good that's actually a a good place to be yeah it's a good place to be a place to finally arrive at and say i I get this Mm -hmm. i get this i understand that it's going to be with me for the rest of my life and i have to figure out a way to live in the same household with this with this addiction so that's challenging and it's not a negative either. It's nope. not a negative to say, hey, I'm a recovering addict. You know, if anything, that's, that's kind of a badge in a way because there's a lot of people out there that aren't. They're just kind of ignoring it and just you know, trudging through life, you know, one mess after another. Instead, you're facing those and saying, okay, I have this problem. These are the things that are coming up. I'm going to accept them and change well I, I hope nobody that hears this is discouraged by this statement because I, I think it's factual and I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I think that that's the best possible outcome actually it's not only is it not a negative it's the best possible outcome yeah. mm-hmm. to arrive at the understanding that recovery is the rest of that that's your life the rest of your life recovery yeah. is a beautiful thing it is yeah. well I mean our therapist says you know there's th- there's three other outcomes you know death institutionalized or prison yeah. and it's really where it will take you mm-hmm well, and from the wife's perspective, we're not looking for perfection in your recovery. We know we're gonna, you're going to fail. You're going to have moments. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for is to be your support. Yeah. We want you to be honest with us. We want we want to help you. I mean, if if anybody has seen the good, bad, and ugly of the addiction, it's it's your spouse. It's your partner. Yeah. Um, allow us to be that. 
you know, and to be, try something new, be open and honest with us. I, I'm sure that a lot of people would be very surprised at what they get back from their spouses. Try something new, be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> novel, be it's honest. Very well said. Mm. Interesting. From your perspective, Amber, some of the some of the best and worst of his recovery, what's it been like? Or, or even or in your path, what's it been like for you, best and worst? Um, best and worst. So I uh, as far as his journey you know, he's been really great about um, these provisional beliefs are allowing me to tell him, hey, I think that there might be something that's been huge um, for me. I sometimes he will slip into old behaviors or, you know, put moods. things off or moods. Oh, yes. Yeah. Moods. <laughs> yes. Um, body language. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, body language. Yeah. You, mm. you, you've heard all this from me. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to say. Yeah. There's just these triggers that like take me back to being in that and not knowing. And that I would say is the worst. And yeah. then I get triggered and I get angry and we have these moments and it's, this is where we fail. Sometimes mm. um, we're getting better at it, but in the heat of it, we still fail. And mm. it's, we've gotten so, so good. And I'm so proud of us as a couple to come together and say, Ooh, okay. We could have handled that better. Next time we'll see this. We'll handle it different next time. Um, maybe instead of acting the way that you do with your moods, you'll come talk to me or, bef you know, when you get this message, you'll come talk to me or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but he's, he's so much more open now to hearing what I have to say. And I feel more heard by him than I have in a long time. Like, I feel like when I say something, he's accepting of where, of where I've been. That's great. Yeah. yeah in fairness, I don't think that I'm actually very forthcoming, like coming to you first with, Hey, um, I don't even know how to say this. Usually I, there's a mood or there's a gesture or there's something that you react to. Like I haven't quite corrected all of those little, those little, yeah. you know, things. But I don't quirks. have to ask you twenty times right. to tell me what's up. Usually, I can say to you. I'm just saying it's the up. communication afterward yeah. that's yes. different, and I think our next step is getting to a point where those little behaviors disappear from. Yeah. I think. My behavior, uh, I think the other piece that we want to be really careful of is is that assuming that at some point in time we're going to arrive at this perfect state, because the reality of it is is it's not the case, mm -hmm. uh, and and you'll find yourself. I think anyway, you'll find yourself slipping back into some old habits and some old behaviors uh, because they are part of us. And they hmm. and, and so you have to be proactive about making certain that those change are new permanencies mm -hmm. in your existence. Mm -hmm. um, if you didn't journal mm -hmm. before, you know, uh, you have to make journaling a part of your beginning, you know, your, your morning day. I, my new thing right now is... Uh, is meditating, and I've got to tell you, meditating is, I'm struggling with that. I have a hard time. Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> the, the whole idea of sitting quiet for just 10, 15 minutes and listening to the pretty music and the soft talk and everything else is, you know, I'm thinking to myself, man, I've got an itch on my back. What's, you know, I've got all these distractions going on in my life, but I have to figure out the way to make that relevant. So that's challenging for me. That's yeah. challenging for me. Uh, and I'm not really good at it. I haven't figured that piece of it out yet. So, um, and then it'll be the same for you. You know, you'll find that meditation works for a little while and, and, you know, at some point in time you may say to yourself, I need something new. That's how it seems to go. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and a relapse, you know, the possibility of a relapse exists. The, uh, the possibility of a relapse of falling back into those old behaviors exists. Uh, but as time goes on, I can honestly say as time goes on, um, you'll find new ways of dealing with those particular issues and dealing with those things, and you'll find the new thing. You'll find the new thing that enables you to move to the next level. And so it may be meditating now, but it may be something else down the road. So those old behaviors are, uh, um, you know, it's great that you have a spouse that can pick that up and say, hey, you know, you're falling back into old behaviors. Well, I mean, I was going to say, just I mean, be grateful for that. That's like your warning sign on, your, on your car, like yeah. the check engine light or the, the oil light. You know, she's able to see those. and Yeah. Oh, I got to I gotta do a, an adjustment or I need a, a tune-up or something I or think some the, maintenance. The key for all of us in that situation is, is if she brings those things up, it's not to get defensive. Yeah. yeah. Anytime we get defensive, I think we're in a bad spot. Yeah. So. Your, your radical acceptance sounds yeah. awesome there. Because <laughs> I, I know myself in the past, man, I would just be, what are you talking about? I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then that was just, that was just like nails on a chalkboard yeah. uh, for her. And then, but you know, when you say, okay, well, what do you see? What, well, what's going on? You know, yeah. I'll, I'll take a look at that. Mm-hmm. It just changes everything. Like she said, mm-hmm. what do you suppose is great? What was the greatest experience of this so far? You've been a year. Um, what is the very best? And, and from Amber's perspective, I'll be curious to hear what that mm-hmm. is. The very best. Wow. I, uh, I feel like for the first time in many, many years, our connection is better. It's getting, it's getting stronger. Uh, we're nowhere near what we want to be, but our connection is getting stronger. That's excellent. That's great. Excellent. How about you? Uh, that's definitely uh, a major, major change in our home life is that it feels like we're paired a lot more. I feel a lot more present. And I think her being able to sense that, it takes a lot of pressure off uh, our existence, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I feel like my relationships are growing and the connections that I have, the few that there are in my life, yeah. are getting stronger and getting better. I also have to mention this, and, and this didn't involve Amber a lot, so forgive me for, <laughs> for mentioning this one, Amber, but I, my first step writing my first step and presenting it to a room full of fellow addicts was an incredible experience yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it changed um it really made me feel like i was completing a step and i was moving into a new area of my recovery it made me understand my addiction in ways that i never had um even having the intellectual understanding before I had actually written out the chronology mm-hmm. and then acknowledged it and read it out loud to a group of people. First time that you've ever shared your story. Yeah. And yeah. that's such a powerful thing to talk about your story. Mm-hmm. Look, I've been dealing with this since I was nine years old, and this is where I am at at this particular point in time, and these are all the things that are happening to me, and this is all the power, the powerlessness and unmanageability of my life as a result of all this addiction that I've dealt with. This is the first time you've shared that with anybody, and you shared it with a whole room full of folks. So yeah. Yeah. a story is... There's, there's just absolute power in the, in the story. And so, yeah, anybody, uh, anybody who's listening to this, uh, and I appreciate you bringing that up because that is a, that is a great place to start. And that's well, it is a, the, the place to start, right? Is. Sorry for interrupting you, but I mean, not, sorry to use a cliche, but 
that Chinese proverb, the journey of a million miles right. begins with a single step. That's right. Never more appropriate than here. <laughs> than You're right. not really starting your recovery until you acknowledge, you acknowledge everything it. openly mm-hmm. and you state it openly. Yeah. And this might be a, a, a rough thing to say, but we, we all know addicts who've been who've been in recovery mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a long period of time and never taken never the time, shared the first step. Never shared the first step. That's right. So that's great. I think we're out of time. We are out right? of time. Well, I appreciate both of you being here. Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue this discussion in another in another episode, but uh, uh, I appreciate your thoughts, your insights, and your sh- willingness to share because I think our listeners uh, need to hear not only uh, you know the story of an addict, but also the story of a spouse of an addict, and I think those are powerful, powerful moments. So yes. Um, with that, we will wrap up this episode. This is Mike saying, "Do the work necessary to feel the peace that recovery can bring." And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.